Hi, I'm KS Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerdbird Podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with the creator and writer, Jacob Cohen, and the comics illustrator, Raymond Griffith, here to promote Issues Zero and Issue One of their series, Astounding Tales. Welcome, Jake. Welcome, Ray. Hi, I'm Jake. Thanks for having us, Kayla. Much appreciated. Much appreciated. Yeah, and I'm Raymond. Thank you. Yeah, well, thank you for joining me, you too. Um, But outside my introduction, who is... Jacob Cohen and Raymond Griffith, and what are you two about individually? Like who? Oh, oh wow, that's like a that's a big question. We're getting like deep right off the, the bat. Uh, who am I? Well, uh, I'm a Long Island uh, native. Uh, I live uh, in Long Beach, uh, New York. I grew up in Merrick, New York, like just an exit away on the uh, on the Parkway. Um, I, uh, I'm a huge fan of like genre fiction uh, since I was a little kid. I've loved comic books also since I was a little kid. First comic I ever read was, uh, oh, actually, I recently, I bought the first comic. Where If you want to maybe just vamp, I, I had the first comic I ever, I ever, I ever bought. Of course he does. <laughs> I repurchased them recently, actually. So these aren't the original copies. They're somewhere in my mom's house in very poor condition. But this is the first comic I ever owned. As I knew, I bought a, a version of it. Can I get this the background killing it? Uh, yeah, the, the background is eating it. Oh, man. Well, oh, oh there there's a little bit of it, yeah. That's a uh, it's world's finest uh, 302. There was a, it's about a there's an like a dude who's like the world's greatest actor who's like about to die, so he pulls like Superman and Batman into like help helping him and going against each other as like his greatest role ever. And this is the first comic I I ever bought, and uh, it's X Men 286, Uncanny 286. It's a Jim Lee cover, Wilson Terriers. Um, this it, like when comic you could still buy them on the newsstand. In uh, where it's um, in uh, my hometown of Merrick at um, oh, shoot, what's the name of the store? Uh, TMO, T at TMO, uh, the bodega when you used to get comics off the rack, and that that is like one of the reasons I love comics. So uh, I'm a huge Uncanny fan, like Chris Claremont's Uncanny. Uh, I, I, a lot of Long Island stereotypes. I I, I grew up playing lacrosse. I, I later like played in college and coached lacrosse for a little bit in college, coached college lacrosse. Uh, and I like Billy Joel. Like I know every Billy Joel song by heart. I like till I left Long Island. I didn't realize that was like a like a weird thing that not everyone like does or know. Like we sang Billy Joel songs in like elementary school and stuff. Like <laughs> Long Island, yeah. Um, uh, I don't know what else. Uh, I don't know. Great at karaoke. <laughs> I'm not good. I can't carry a tune. Yeah, can, no beat. Can't carry a tune. I'm tone deaf. Like in football practice, when you do jumping jacks, mm-hmm. like I was always out of sync doing the jumping jacks. Like any part of a concert where you clap, I try not to clap along because I'm definitely going to be out of like sync, out of beat with everyone else clapping. And I don't want to like F people up. So like, uh, like I'll dance around, like I'll get down at a show. But if there's any like clapping in unison, I try because it's just going to screw every other people up around me. Um... I don't know, like, I, I got three siblings. Uh, I, got, uh, I got two guinea pigs, uh, Victor Von Doom and Barristan Selmy. It's a big question, like, who am I? Like, I'm, I'm gonna be like thinking of that tonight. Like, who am I? Like, you've caused like an existential like crisis for me. Uh, well, do you do any other comics writing or, or of that sort uh, as well? Do you wanna talk more about your 
Oh, okay. Um, so the, the only published work I've done before this is um, I wrote a comic for my brother-in-law who teaches a class on geology at the University of Wisconsin. He's a doctor of geology. Hey, Steve. Um, and so he commissioned a comic for his geology class. Like um, he does, like he teaches like uh, like the intro geo, like whatever. Like his whole thing is like getting kids into, uh, getting college, not kids, college students into science besides the research he does and stuff like that. So um, I did like a sci-fi comic for him, but uh, primarily most of my writing is actually academic. Like I'm um, writing, I finished, um, I have an undergrad and MA in film theory. I just finished my MA this past fall or they accepted my thesis finally. And then, so I am done. I got digitally my digital um, uh, uh, diploma finally. So, and so the real one is in the mail. Like, uh, so I finally uh, completed that. So like most of my, like writing that I do is actually um, like nonfiction writing, like um, mostly, you know, kind of film theory stuff. Like uh, my thesis was on uh, John Hughes and the American suburb and kind of the, the influences of that stuff and kind of the origins and all that. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so unfortunately, like, yeah, a lot of my, the, too much of, too much of my writing has been like, you know, um, uh, uh, like nonfiction. Yeah, not much. Yeah, but I try to make it fun. That's why I do film theory, but uh, as most I can. So it's de definitely a pleasure working with Ray. Um, in terms of that, but uh, visual storytelling, I've always been into whether it's you know motion pictures, film, um, comics. Um, like I do like reading prose and um, and stuff like that. But for me, it's always been been visual storytelling, mm -hmm. um, and. Uh, comics first like film it doesn't really obviously they're very different mediums but yeah. I don't really have a preference to me it's they're kind of a would be a good analogy you know they're just they're still you know there's still sequential storytelling it's just that the sequence in a film is a sequence that's going so fast it's giving the illusion of motion mm -hmm. you know we're not capturing real motion we're just showing sequence you know frames rapid enough that it causes the illusion of motion they're, they're, they're both kind of the same difference it's just one is a faster sequence or whatever you know and you know, I, I can't make gray draw 60 frames per second or you know whatever uh, you couldn't afford it <laughs> um so yeah i i don't know um is that is that all right i, I hope i answered the question sort of yeah. like i i guess yeah. I, it's the, i it's kind of a big question who are you like I don't know. I feel like now I should be paying you or something, or at least putting like my insurance card down or something like uh, for like the session. Oh, uh, so what about you, Ray? What are you? What are you about? Okay, so uh, my name is Raymond Griffith. I'm an artist from Oklahoma, and since I was 16, I've actually been a caricature artist. Um, so I worked at a theme park, uh, and then expanded out doing my own business, uh, doing conventions, fairs, festivals, all that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, deep, deep down, I always had a love for comics. I don't have my very first one sitting next to me. Uh, <laughs> you know, unfortunately, I didn't, I didn't bring that. Uh, no visual aids for this one. But, uh, you know, it's, it's something I've always wanted to do. And I kind of took a look at myself right, right around the time the world shut down and there stopped being conventions. And I said, you know, you always wanted to do this and you never have. Why not? And so I started uh, doing some work with smaller anthologies. Uh, I've got a few published stories now, uh, including uh, such uh, volumes as Screams Heard Around the World from Hellcat Press, uh, the Border X Anthology, uh, the Bebop, 
and I know I'm forgetting someone, oh, Oneshi Press's uh, Origins Anthology, and a few others like that sort of ilk. And then uh, kind of ran into Jake by chance. Uh, I, I don't know if you want to know a little, few more details about that story in just, just a second or not. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm going to ask how you, I guess, how the collaborative effort, how that came to be. That's a little bit later, but yeah. It's also kind of, you know, listening to, uh, you know, Ray's story that like I a little bit have to thank the pandemic for you know then him being like collaborating with me it's like a weird thing to feel like positive about you know like thank goodness that global <laughs> pandemic hit so that like Ray could like re kind of think about his goals and and then I could capture him in my grasp <laughs> this comic book okay so what is Astounding Tales about okay um well in terms of just like Plot-wise, it's about a, a tween girl, Billy Potts. And um, thematically, or tonally rather, tonally, it's um, you know, a love letter, a throwback to the Silver Age comics of Stan and Jack, but a, a contemporary kind of uh, retelling. So very much in terms of plot, um, it's, a, it, it's more contemporary anxieties, more contemporary issues. So as opposed to like Silver Age comics about kind of the nuclear age, the Cold War, which unfortunately and like the news like very recently has gone from like nostalgia to like contemporary and like the last like two to three weeks uh -huh. like issue three we have some like cold war nostalgia stuff and like like i said and like that script that like was written like i don't know like a while ago like right like it was like a few months ago right is now that like that open there's like a cold open that's like a total cold war like nostalgia thing that's like now weirdly contemporary, unfortunately, because of like current events and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so like a lot of um, in terms of like uh, the the, pl the plot devices and stuff like that and themes are contemporary, like the, the environment, artificial intelligence, kind of what, what does it mean to be human, kind of that, that type of stuff. Um, so there's also a little bit of cyberpunk influence in there as well. Um, and then a lot of the, a lot of the, the design work um, is definitely like uh, on in terms of Ray, Ray as well, uh, or definitely Ray, and also like panel layout in terms of page layout, and then a lot of stuff with like colors and panels and stuff that's just like way over my uh, head. If you know, if you want to take the ball, yeah, I, I was gonna say overall, it's sort of a love letter to the medium. You know, it's it's everyone who feels any bit of nostalgia for the way comics used to smell and look and all of that sort of thing. We're trying to bring that back, but maybe a little more geared towards a modern audience. So not quite as cheesy. I mean, a little cheese, but, you know, the good kind, not necessarily the stale Velveeta from the bottom of the box. <laughs> yeah, you know, definitely, like, um, my captions are um, kind of purple or verbose, like, in the tradition of, like, Chris Claremont or going back to Stan. Like, I definitely... Um that that's kind of my Jimmy jam. So like, you'll definitely catch that in like kind of the captions and stuff like that. Yeah, I was reading what uh, Ray has sent me and I was like, it's, it's weird that you say that you wanted the feel and the smell of it. Cause I can actually, when I was reading, I was like, I could smell these pages. <laughs> How vintage oh, they so are. Much. I could smell them. That's, that's are you saying they think? <laughs> it's just like smell, it's like smelling a physical book almost. Yeah. That's I what I get the feeling of. I, like a comic store that's like got filled with like back issues like that new, old, that weird old newsprint smell um is 
that's kind of close to my heart. Uh, you uh, you wouldn't know this, but the actual physical books we printed for our first Kickstarter were actually done on genuine newsprint. And believe me, it's not cheap doing that, but we wanted that authenticity. So it, it, that's the nice thing about it. I think that there's a certain grain and texture to it. And um, yeah, so we definitely, we went out of our way. That was a, a distinct choice. That was not by accident to, to print on newsprint. Well, can either of you elaborate on your creative process on Astounding Tales? So I guess, Jake, it just been a thought in your head to flushing it out as a complete work and working with Ray and I guess um, with Arrows maybe, and to now promoting just these first two issues, issue zero and issue one now. Well, like the original like Genesis, there was kind of two kind of Genesis points or like, I guess like kind of little seeds that I grew out of. One is um, I used to send scripts and when they were accepted, 2000 AD um, would accept like four page scripts. Uh, they're called Future Shocks, basically like kind of a Twilight zone like a weird twist happens at the end. So uh, at the start of the pandemic, so I guess this is also something we could thank the global pandemic for, 2000 AD stopped accepting those submissions. So I had a four pager that I kind of liked um and then ray and i i linked up through comics collab uh on reddit and uh he he liked the script so much so which i appreciate very much he, he threw in uh in terms of the commission you know i commissioned him for four pages he threw in a fish splash page i don't know if that's maybe bad for business like you not want me to tell people like, <laughs> hey that jake guy got a free page like what's up bro not um, the most financially wise decision i ever made but it worked out and uh, so we, we, you know, we enjoy working with each other and then to be able to kind of fund the printing and the shipping of a full pay, uh, full size issue. Number one, we did, we did the Kickstarter, which was successful and um, you could do Kickstarter for issue two. And then also in terms of uh, the writing of issue one um, and, and also issue zero during the course of the start of the pa pandemic, I read a Jack Kirby biography by Mark Evanier. So in terms of doing like uh, like an earnest take on the superhero genre, uh, because I've, I've spoken about this a few times that the comics I kind of grew up in, you could kind of date me when I was a little kid by the, the comics that I sh showed you is really kind of like the dark, grim, gritty, like era of comics or the de also like a lot of people doing deconstructionist like takes on comics, you know, the, the, the Watchmen, the dark, like I love Dark Knight Returns, like I'm, I'm of the time I was raised in, but I was very much like enough is enough you know you get a lot of that that you know you know uh, venom punisher wolverine like you know enough is enough you know when batman had that weird or Azrael had that weird batman suit that's all when i was a little kid um so like that's a cool take on comics but you know uh, to me i guess it depends kind of when you were you were a kid when you were growing up for me I, um like an earnest take on the genre is, is refreshing you know it, it's it's like kind of a breath of fresh air so that's why we kind of wanted to do tonally with this series. Okay, well, how difficult was world building for you, Jake? Like, how did you manage to create a world that is totally your own and still integrate your influences into it, but maintain that Astounding Tales is yours in your well, world and not someone else's? Well, I mean, in terms of design, I have to give a lot of credit to Ray. So some things are, you know, maybe specific, but a lot of stuff like, let's say the monster in issue zero, I said, I need a kaiju that attacks the city. Um, and I think it speaks for, the work speaks for itself in terms of, I think you could see the enthusiasm and the joy in it rather than me being like, Ray, you're like my like art robot, draw this thing, you know, or, you know, um, or even going as far as like making stick figure layouts. Like that's kind of like, that'd be like a lot of hubris on my part. Like I have this like, 
great artist and i'm like let me make these stick figure layouts to tell you how this panel is going to look it's like come on dude like you know slow your roll so um yeah in terms of like the design so a lot in terms of like how the characters speak <laughs> a little bit like a woody allen or kevin smith movie like a lot of the characters kind of like speak like me a little bit um but so like in terms of that like you you, you know in terms of like the politics of things like I kind of, it's not didactic, but I definitely like, we put it on front street, but a lot of like, in terms of like, when you say world building the design of the world um, and like kind of the, the textures and, and all that stuff. Um, and especially like the colors and all that is definitely if Ray, you want to speak to, to that stuff. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, so there is a lot of reference at play with what we are doing. So, you know, going back just a bit, there was a lot of research that went into designing the world and the characters, seeing how things were done, the way panels were laid out. But then the next step is, of course, taking that and remixing it. You, you don't want to just straight copy anything that you're seeing. You want to take it and make it gestalt, really. Uh, so, you know, it, rather, we, we have a character, and this is a bit of a spoiler, but we have a character who's sort of a half-man, half-machine monster in the first issue. And rather than look at any one direct reference, I took a lot of personal uh, things that I've seen, you know, references from The Thing, references from Alien, references from the comics themselves, and then kind of combined it with the actual prompt that Jake had given me, which... Uh, Do you remember? I, I think you said, like, body horror or something. Yeah, you? you said body horror, but you had a specific character you, you referenced as well. And I'm suddenly blanking on his name. It's been a while. But yeah, I'm to think. <laughs> so I didn't look at him at first. That, and that's part of the trick. I don't look directly at the references first. First I come up with my own idea. Then I go back to the source material and see what I can push, pull, and take to the next level to, to make it true to where we're coming from. Okay, so I guess, Jake, before you found Ray, what was your experience with... Uh, searching for collaborators and how did you know that Ray and Arrows were the right people for this project and then Ray um, how did you know that this like what part of what I guess what Jake pitched to you really brought you on board for this project well I guess in terms of like being a writer the the, um, the time commitment is really such a vast kind of getting when you have limited resources finding someone to collaborate with and rightfully so like in terms of the artist there is there is a difference in terms of like time commitment and like actual like physical like man hours so if you're an unpublished writer there is that little bit of a hurdle of being like hey man like i'm not a flake like we get this done like let's you know because there is a little bit of a weird dynamic in that regard um so i think that's kind of the biggest hurdle if you're an unpublished writer um, to try to, you know, get, get an artist on board to commit to be like, hey, man, like, this will work out. Like, we could do this. Because um, there, there's, I guess, a little bit of a leap of faith, you know. Um, so uh, in terms of, like, a, the, the Thelma Louise moment, I got uh, ready to grab my hand as, like, kind of we hit the pedal on that car. Um, so is it that, I guess, what was that? that was the question, right? How to get, like, find that <laughs> collaboration or whatever? Yeah, like, how did you know, like, how we how did I know you so I was like, so how was your experience with searching for collaborators and how did you know Ray? Oh, well, unfortunately, like whether, they, like actually, you know, maybe a couple months, like I've definitely had like different collaborations, for, both in terms of uh, willing to pay in terms of commissions and not where 
people have been flaky. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of like Ray's definitely like, you know, he's committed to the cause. Like he's down, like we're gonna like, you know, he's in it, you know. Um, and even his wife helps, she's the voice of uh, Billy Potts and the Kickstarter. Um, oh, cool. so it's like all hands on deck in that regard. Um, so I guess in terms of when you're starting out in any kind of collaborative art form, especially when you're like kind of limited in resources. So like Frank, people are, you know, working for either free or not allowed to do or whatever. And I guess, so this would go for any kind of collaborative art. You want to be in a band, put on a play, shoot a film to get people that are committed and you yourself to be committed, you know, um, and be all in. So I guess finding, and you know, I, I don't know, you could even expand that outside of collaborative art forms, but anything that you're doing that's, that's like just basically mostly passion. Um, so I guess even you want to open a restaurant, a small, you know, uh, you know, a, a small business, whatever, something where you're like asking people to like pitch in on the promise of this producing something um, is kind of, that's kind of the, uh, the devil in the details is to like get people to buy into kind of the vision of what you're doing. Um, and I guess, you know, this is the, this is the specific example. You know. He got me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say uh, from my perspective, I, I've done a little collaboration, obviously, with the, uh, several different writers, um, several different projects. And I think what spoke to me about this specific pitch was the clear vision of what was happening um, and the, well, if I'll be really frank, the fact that it had a giant monster was a big plus because I was really feeling like drawing a giant monster. <laughs> but uh, it, it was the action um, and the excitement because, and I'll say this, uh, not in re- re- reference to anyone who I have worked with, but several people whose pitches I've not gone for, people have a tendency to forget a comic is a visual medium and they just want to have characters in a room talking. And there are comics that do that very successfully. I'm not saying it can't be done, but that is not what I enjoy about the medium. That is not what I enjoy drawing. If we're doing a comic, I want to draw some action. Gosh, dang it. (laughs) That's also speaking to that in terms of like eras of comics or just storytelling in general. Like we're definitely not doing decompressed storytelling. Like uh, some of the exp- like uh, in, in, uh, inspirations in terms of like the Galactus trilogy, where like every page is like multiple concepts, multiple characters. And the other um, in terms of issue one uh, was Raiders of the Lost Ark, not in terms of like plot or anything like that, but just like, again, like that kind of breakneck, like things are happening, we're going. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we're meeting new characters, meeting new concepts, we're meeting new ideas. Um, we're, not, we're not writing to the trade. We're not writing to the trade paperback, you know? Yeah, I was reading, as I was reading it, it was moving, the pace was um, pretty quick, and it wasn't a lot of um, talking in it, which I kind of appreciate. I'm not, when, <laughs> when I read these comics that people send me, there is a lot of talking. I mean, it helps move the scene along as well, but I, I really appreciated that it wasn't a whole lot of dialogue. Things were just kind of happening, and it was explained, or uh, I guess it progressed as the panels moved on, if, if that makes sense. So yeah, and it's I guess people were talking when they needed to, which I appreciated as well. So yeah, I just wanted to point that out too. Well, thank you, know, you. Yeah, I mean, in terms of also like in terms of like effects budget, you know, raise my special effects budget, you know. So um, and that I guess in terms of genre storytelling, I think maybe if you're someone who 
you know, you, you're just working in other genres. Maybe you want to do like a rom-com or a character piece or a character study. Like if we're doing genre, specifically the, the superhero genre, a little, a little cyberpunk kind of sprinkled in there, like, um, yeah, like why not? Like uh, it's not not question why, but why not? And then also kind of in terms of as the writer, like, hey, Ray, what do you want to draw? Like, what are you into? Like, what do you dig? And like, what do you hate? I think for any writer, that's like a big thing to know also. Like, what does uh what does the artist don't and and also it's not just i think it'll be a better product in the end it's not just about being like a cool person or willing to compromise i think now to be fair i i was very clear i don't love drawing vehicles and issue two the entire back half is in a uh like an SUV or not an suv but like a like a hummer (laughs) so i think i must have made him a little mad at me at some point (laughs) yeah well, yeah. So, yeah, you're right. You know, take a uh, Kayla. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, yeah, we do. There's some talking and there's a, an issue too. There's a chunk where there's just two people talking where it's like an indie film. There is a part of issue too, but it's, these are, it's these good are, though. It's deep. Yeah. It's getting to the thematic. Like uh, we had to, but then there's punchy punchy after that. There's a lot of punchy punchy after that. Yeah. There's dialogue in there where there needs to be dialogue and then there. The dialogue isn't where there doesn't need to be dialogue, if that makes sense. So, like I said, the pace of it is quick, which is nice, and the dialogue is only there when it needs to be there. Yeah, it's a visual medium, show not tell. So, a question for the both of you: It doesn't really matter who goes first. Um, but what advice would you would you offer to other creators? Um, it can be in comics, it can be film, it can be whatever you feel like it's appropriate. Um, that you wish someone would have told you when you first started. So it can, like I said, it can be in film, it can be in comics, it can be just like business stuff or anything like that. But you wish someone would have told you that you learned along the way when you first started. Oh, you know, the, I hit the wrong button on the Kickstarter. I, I launched it early. <laughs> That's probably the... That was the maddest I've ever been at you. <laughs> that that night I I was like no because <laughs> there's like a preview button to like not launch it and then like it's it looked I got confused like I it really worked out though we we did we uh, we launched three days early but you know people were there for us um, we we got the word out immediately and I think we were funded within two days weren't we yeah oh, no yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it it was it was a f- interesting night though. <laughs> well i guess and you know i guess this is not really a lesson but just i think it's just important everyone know that like um uh, that like everyone's first draft sucks like um i guess that uh you know you just got it 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 is a craft like you got to just kind of do it um so i guess i guess similar to similar to art but i mean i guess uh that, you know, everyone has a different kind of a uh, ceiling, but you kind of, you had to be dedicated to your craft. Um, so yeah, don't be, if it just kind of comes out kind of, if your first draft ain't that great or the first story you write or whatever, um, you know, keep plugging away, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, uh, I think uh, I could give a lot of advice, specifically art related about fundamentals and practice and all that. But I think, relevant to this comic something i have learned throughout the process of it is if i'm having a really hard time with a panel and it's giving me so much trouble it's because i need to rethink that panel and how i've staged it and 
going back, I wish I could have told myself because there there are a few panels where I forced myself to go with what I had done instead of trying to revisit what I was doing. And I think those are probably some of the weaker images in the book. Uh, whereas with the, the issue I'm working on now, I've gone back on panels that I didn't like, wiped the board, erased it, and tried again, and it, it's exactly what I wanted. So oh, that that would be my better. advice. That's much better than what I said. I want to I take back what I said. You know what? He, he, Bray got, got me thinking that, you know, um, the mo important part of writing is the not writing part. That, like, a lot of the ideas come, just for me personally, if I'm, like, exercising or doing some kind of running or in the shower. I guess everyone's different. You get inspiration different ways, whatever. But a huge part of writing is the not writing part. That's where ideas happen. They, they happen in, online at the grocery store while you're taking a shit. Like, you know, that's when, yeah, that's like a big part of writing. So I guess, you know, my previous thing was very adamant that writing happens when you write, but also that a lot of it happens when you're not writing is when you're writing. Yeah, mine happens when I'm, about to go to sleep. I'm trying oh, to sleep. I don't, I gotta, yeah, I don't remember that shit. I know some people can remember. I don't. Uh, yeah, that's, if I, if it happens right, and then I'll think about it the next day. No, man, I had something. It's gone. It's gone to the ether. All right, well, my last question for you two is, what is your idea of success? So, I ask that to pretty much everyone, that if you're not getting regular paychecks from a full-time job or making consistent revenue from your art you you're considered a failure in a way so many of us will put our dreams and projects on the back burner or give them up altogether because this career path can be highly intimidating and competitive so what is your idea of quote-unquote success okay um well back when i used to coach lacrosse like uh, i used to use the john wooden's uh, measure of success that success is the uh, his quote in like his big book of axioms uh, that the success is doing the best based on like the talent you were um, allotted or whatever. That, that's a paraphrase, but basically like you did the best based on like what your potential is, like your measure of success isn't like based on anyone else's. So that in life, I, that's just kind of the, the, the definition of a success that I go by is John Wooden's definition of success, that like you're your own measure of success. Um, but in terms of the comic, I view us, um, I would say in terms of like, we're able to publish a comic and like distribute it and like it exists it's like a physical fucking thing that that is to me like a huge like spike the football but um then like another uh is whole you know i'm not satisfied with that i would like to you know if i eventually you know it would be wonderful to be financially compensated for the comic and then also use it to be able to springboard to make more comics and like different other like tell more stories so like right now I, I would still say like yes we are successful but also there is I, we're still reaching we're still plugging away we haven't spiked the football yet but uh -huh. uh, there's like a physical fucking copy like is awesome to me you know so gotta get your bleeps ready for this one <laughs> oh, sorry i'm sorry <laughs> but, like you know i don't know how other people feel about that but like i i, I cry when i see it like when first see it like i made a comic book you know like because mm -hmm. i guess also things like a like when you first discover that someone writes or draws a comic like when you're a kid is like a weird thing you're like someone made this like i don't know i guess it happens to every kid with whether it's tv shows or video games or really just products in general that like oh like someone produced that 
you know like even like someone designed a cereal box like sure kids just like think like oh they just plop out of the factory oh no when someone designed tony the tiger like you know some dude somewhere you know um so that like uh this mysterious alchemy that like makes a thing called a comic book like i did that thing like with the help of ray like i didn't do it alone like fuck it would just be stick figures, Dixon Pack, man of who's me. But like, Ray, God bless him with his uh, two freaking hands bringing this thing to life. And like, it's a thing now. Yeah. He, you know what? Ray made a human being and a comic book. So, I mean. <laughs> really? He, yeah. He's like godlike. <laughs> he, he makes life. He makes comic books. <laughs> To, to be fair, I didn't do most of the work in that process. <laughs> I don't know if you're clear on how this works, but I... <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I also wanted to briefly say um, I come from a very unique perspective in that unlike a lot of artists, I've actually made a living doing art for almost my entire life. And actually, I've recently transitioned away from making money for my art because I don't, I mean, it's success, quote-unquote, but it feels like it takes so much of the joy out of it, and I was so soul-crushed. I mean, 15 years of just doing things for other people that they wanted instead of what I wanted to do. I don't view that as success anymore. What I want, I mean, don't get me wrong, if I could make a million dollars drawing what I want, I would take it in a heartbeat, but... I view success more so as the recognition from others that says, "Hey, you did a cool thing. We liked it, and that's it. That's all I know. That's all I want." <laughs> we made a thing. All right. Well, um, is there anything else that either of you want to touch on about Astounding Tales, the series that I may have missed? Um, uh, issue zero and one out now. If you go to Ray's uh, funnyfigs.com, you can read issue zero for free. Um, I don't know. It's slash astounding tales to be exact. All right. Well, again, I want to thank the creator and writer Jacob Cohen and the comics illustrator Raymond Griffith for joining me in promoting the series Astounding Tales, issues zero and one. Issue two will be launching in late spring on Kickstarter. Um, if you follow either one of them, they'll let you know when it when it pops up. Uh, I highly recommend our listeners to give the series Astounding Tales a look, share, and purchase if they can. All of Ray's and Jake's socials alongside links to purchase will be listed in this episode's details for those who are interested. And again, the Kickstarter link will be available at a later date. Again, I'm K.S. Garner, and you have been listening to the Solo Network Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. 